0: Last week I talked about Vision Sunday. If you missed Vision Sunday, get onto our website and listen to the podcast. I'd encourage you to do that. Talked about vision a little bit with our church. Talked about vision really in light of our church family, all of us individually, who we are and and what what God is doing uh, in our life, in our church. And I can think back, I, I wanted to take last week and carry it on a little farther, I'm going to do it over these next couple of weeks. We're going to take three weeks, this week and two more weeks. We're going to lean into this a little bit. And here's what I mean. You see, February 1st is going to be Football Sunday. So on Football Sunday, that's the first Sunday in February, not only are we going to focus on on the Super Bowl, but we're going to to actually listen to some of the guys who will be playing in the game, some professional football players who love God with all their heart, and they are going to be sharing, and we're going to be celebrating that on that Sunday. Not only are we going to be doing that, but we're going to have a great time outside. Cornhole will be set up. Listen, you can come here as a parent, right, and you can tell your kids to eat cereal because the first Sunday of the month, we always do cereal, right? You can tell your kids to eat cereal, and for breakfast, you can have a hot dog and a soda. So you can be a horrible example of a parent and it'll be okay because you're in church, right? It'll all be all right. Or or you can tell your kids to drink soda for breakfast. On that Sunday, it's all going to be okay. We're going to have a great time together. Take advantage of this, not just with your family, but with your friends, your family. We're going to celebrate together. Really have a good time. Now, I can remember being in in our church that I was a part of in Virginia for over 20 years before Karen and I moved to Florida and then came out here. One of the things that we gave to people who became followers of Christ and became a part of our church family, we actually gave them a little book. This book was called In His Steps. This was written by a guy named Charles Sheldon. Charles Sheldon started a church not in New York City, not in LA, not in Chicago, not even in Phoenix, he started a church in Topeka, Kansas. wasn't a great megapolis of, of a city in, in, in our country. It was a smaller it was a smaller city. Charles wrote this book in his steps because he noticed in his church that he was building that that, that he had started and it was growing. He noticed that a lot of people came on Sunday mornings but there were only a few people who came on Sunday night and it bothered him the difference between the two everybody was there on Sunday morning, but on Sunday night only a certain amount of people came back and and, and he thought he thought you know I've, I've got to I've got to lay a practical tool into my church where people will recognize more easily how can they practically Follow Christ not just hearing about it on Sunday morning, but how how can in a more practical way can, can he explain things to his church how, how they could follow Christ in a real practical way and so he wrote this book in his steps and and it, it it's a great little book and for years and years listen there over the course of time that he wrote this book in 1896. And in this book, out of, the, out of this book came the phrase, what would Jesus do? In other words, looking at this issue in our town, what would Jesus do? In our community, when we're talking about the home, we're talking about whatever we're talking about, what would Jesus do? And a hundred years later, you and I watched in our culture as the church popped out a bunch of teeth. This phrase surfaced all over again. People everywhere were using this phrase, well, what would Jesus do? And people everywhere, the Christians, they had these rubber, how many of you had one of those rubber things on, on your wrist and said, what would, WWJD? Yeah, and so we saw it resurface a hundred years later. And that very thought, what would Jesus do? I thought as we're stepping into this new year and, and taking our Bibles, and so, some of us, and we have a red letter edition. In other words, in other words, when we open up our Bible, and, and every time it comes to the place where we're, we actually hear the words, specific words of Jesus, it's written in red ink. So we can just look at our Bible, and we know that this is, it wasn't Paul saying this, it was, or, or it wasn't Peter, or James, it, it, was, it was what Jesus said. And looking at the red letters in our Bible, if Jesus were in our culture today, and and, and we know what he would say because of what he said, and I'm thinking if he were looking at our culture today, and if he were looking at his church, and and he was thinking, "My, my church, my spiritual family... Followers, but my followers, I, I have in mind how I want them to, I, I have in mind what I want them to do, I have in mind how I want them to live. And over these next three weeks, I want to look specifically at three things that if Jesus were to come today, he would look at and he would say, You know, what I had in mind, that ain't it. That's why our series is called, That Ain't It. And this morning, I, I, I want to I wanna slip right into it. And we're going to look in every way. How many, listen, how many of you have, you, you gave someone a gift. You went shopping for them. You know, some people are impossible to buy for, right? You went shopping for them, and 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 you 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 worked really hard, and you really you you went all over the place, and 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 you finally came up with the gift, and and you gave someone this gift, and you feel like they they never really appreciated it. anybody ever give a gift that was you felt was never appreciated? Yeah, I, I can relate, and, and I, I actually wrote down three examples of it, and two of them were of me not appreciating the gift that was given to me, both of them um, when I was a kid. And, uh, and I, Karen told me I've already used those illustrations, so I can't use them. So I went to my third illustration. There was a Christmas when I was buying a gift for someone, and, and you know, some people are hard to buy gifts for. Other people are easy, but some people, and I, I, I can say that because, frankly, I'm one of those people that's hard to buy gifts for because there's really, there's nothing that, that I really ha- have a need. And so, you know, with w- at Christmas shopping, it was myself and two other members of my family, and and we were looking for a gift for one person in particular. I won't tell you the initials or anything. It was Karen. And so, we're out <laughs> shopping, Christmas shopping, for, and we had bought a few things already, and uh you know and i, I just there, we just need this one more gift you know a, a nice nice and so we went to macy's and and macy's had, had well they always at christmas time have a sale and so th- that we, we're in, we're in this department and we're looking at these these towels you know how when you when you shop for stuff a lot of times there's good better and best right well we found these towels that were clearly clearly best they were nice i mean they felt so nice on the edges they had this kind of special detailed colored and, and that, that i'm thinking to myself i know i know she's gonna love these and not only not only not only did we find these the, the these best towels right but i didn't just buy two towels I bought like four of the big ones that, you know, when you, when you take a shower, you use it. And then the next size down, bought those two, bought this whole set, this whole package. And, and, and we're having Christmas time, and, and we're all opening up our gifts and, and finally bring out this gift. And Karen opens up this thing, and, and she's digging through it, and she just looks up, and she says, Towels? I guess I quickly learned that giving towels is kind of like giving a toaster or a vacuum cleaner. It is just, and so, I, but I genuinely, and listen, it wasn't just me. It was the general consensus of us shoppers that this would have been a great gift. Jesus he left his father in heaven and he left heaven and he came to broken earth and they tortured him they twisted and ripped and tore his body the bible says beyond recognition and he shed his blood and they nailed him to a cross And he died. And he rose from the dead. And the Bible says even in that time, he, he took the keys and he went to hell and he kicked Satan's tail. For us, he didn't need to do it for him. For us, he did that. He rose from the dead and he gave us his living word. And then he sent his Holy Spirit, as we're followers of Christ, to live inside of us. And sometimes, here's the reality, guys, we can go days, weeks, and even months without even thinking about him. And certainly not giving him the attention that we know he deserves. spiritual indifference that's that's what I want to talk about today spiritual indifference you know I I'm, our church family I talked to the first service and and even that's that's not who we are we, we that's just not who we are we're, we're, we're for the most part not spiritually indifferent but but the reality is if, if we're not intentional in our relationship with God we tend to drift. And we could find ourselves slipping. This is the reason I want to talk about this. We could find ourselves slipping into spiritual indifference. So I want to talk about this. So as we head into the new year, if this becomes, if this, if this starts to come up on the slate for any of us that, that we'll recognize it and we'll become intentional, and we will not allow it to happen. All three of these topics that I want to talk about for the next three weeks, will be totally aware. We can be indifferent about so many things. I, I, I ask somebody, how are you doing? Eh? How's your family? Eh? What are you excited about? Obviously, nothing. Eh? How's your job? are you kids? Eh. So obviously you feel like you're not making a difference in the world with your life. In Revelation, Jesus actually talks about these seven churches. And and, and not only does he talk about them, he specifically lays out their tendencies and, and lays out their spiritual issues. And it's interesting because these are seven churches, these are seven churches in reality, and, 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 and the reality is these are seven churches that saturate our world. They show themselves over and over again in different ways. And one of these churches is the church in Laodicea. And Jesus is talking about this church, and th- this church has this problem. They struggle with spiritual indifference. About 35 years before John is writing this, that, that, that Jesus is talking about this church in Laodicea, there was an earthquake, and the, the, this town was, the city was dis- destroyed. It was, it was just totally destroyed. And, and over the course of those 35 years, they, they had been rebuilding Laodicea. And, and they built it so much better than it was. And they actually built coliseums and, and they built theaters and, and they built public baths and, and they had shopping areas, almost kind of like our malls today. They, 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 if you were to compare this city in their time to maybe our culture in the Middle East, it would be like Dubai. It might even be like Las Vegas. It, it was like this whole new thing. But there was one problem. Laodicea had no source of water. And so they had to bring water in from two different sources. And they brought cold water in from Colossae. Colossae had plenty cold water. And, and so they, they brought the cold water to Laodicea. And, and it was, it was just, it was in, brought in by aqueducts and, and, and their, their whole system. And then Heropolis, Heropolis was famous for its hot springs. And so they brought the hot water in from Heropolis. But there was another problem. While they were bringing in cold water from one city and hot water from the hot springs of another city, by the time the water reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm. Not only was it lukewarm, it was murky and it was dirty. It did not fulfill any purpose. Cold water is useful for a purpose. Hot water is useful for a purpose. Lukewarm, murky, dirty water is useful for nothing. And while that was the physical condition of Laodicea, it was also the spiritual condition of Laodicea. They suffered from spiritual indifference. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15, Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, he says, I know your deeds. I know how you're living. I know what you did this week. Were you full of my spirit or were you indifferent? And then he goes on. He says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. Both of them actually serve a purpose. If if you're cold, I, I know exactly, and everyone knows where you are, and if you're hot, everyone can clearly see where you are. And you're useful if you're hot. I wish you were either one or the other. And then in 16, he says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, look what he says. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You're spiritually stale, he said. You're depressingly detached. It was never my desire that you would be depressingly detached. After all that I did for you, after all that I called you to, after all that I gave you the power for, after I poured my my spirit into you. And then he goes on with this very little literal translation. He says, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Have you ever been affected by something so much that not only mentally were you struggling with it, but emotionally you were struggling with it, even to the point that your physical body reacting. That's where Jesus is with this. He's saying, not only does it break my heart, it breaks my heart to the degree that I'm about to vomit. I'm I'm about to, it turns my stomach, is what he's saying. And so we as a church family, why do I want us aware of this? Because as we walk through life, if we're not intentional, we could end up in a place where we are spiritually indifferent. How are you doing spiritually, Jesus would say. And their response was probably, eh? Eh? And Jesus would look at that. And he would say, for my followers, I know what I was expecting, and that ain't it. Two causes of spiritual indifference. You're going to want to write these in your notes. We'll go through them quickly. Number one is self-sufficiency. And in that very next verse, Jesus touches on it. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. And I don't need to think. Now, whether you're wealthy or not, you're basically you're saying, I, I have all I need. I, I don't need anything else. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm self-sufficient. But then Jesus goes on and says, But you do not realize, and look what he says. He doesn't just he doesn't just say, you say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I don't need a thing. And he doesn't go on and say, but that's really not true. He doesn't do that. He steps into a way that gives unbelievable clarity. He says, but you do not realize that you are wretched? This is Jesus talking. Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Does it get any worse than that? I mean, I don't know that you could add to that list to make it any worse. He's saying, look. You feel like you're okay and you got it all, but what you're missing is the most important thing. I'm good. I got my car. I got my iPhone. I I got everything I need. I got Netflix. I got my credit card. I'm good. Your life is full of stuff, but it's empty of meaning, he's saying. He's talking to this church in Laodicea, but I got to tell you, not only is he talking to this church in Laodicea, he is stepping down the staircase of time, and for 2,000 years, he's been talking to people and churches who are in that same very Why am I sharing this? I want to make sure over these next three weeks, as we look at these three areas, that we understand them so that we as a church family and that we as individuals never find ourselves slipping into these circumstances. The second one, second cause of spiritual indifference is distractions of this world. Now, look, Jesus didn't just realize these and pop them out brand new. These same two things, self-sufficiency and distractions of this world, started with the fall, and they. We, you can read them all through Scripture and situation after situation all the way through into Revelation. There's nothing new here. This has been going, and, and so he stops and he makes us aware of this. Look what Mark says about distractions of this world. Mark says, but the worries of this life. In other words, the things that you have to take care of. And then he goes on to say, the deceitfulness of wealth. I got to stop there. I got to stop and talk about money. Do you know why? There are two extremes here. When we talk about money, some people have read this passage of Scripture, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. In other words, they read this to say that when God's talking about wealth, wealth here, he talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. In other words, they're saying God does not, if you want to be spiritual, you should not have money. You certainly should not be rich. On the other end of this spectrum, Is you have people who become followers of Christ. And then you you will have leaders who will tell people who are becoming followers of Christ, you know what? Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. Absolutely true. You are now a child of the King. Absolutely true. You should live like a king. Absolutely true. That means. God wants you to be wealthy, and if you're not wealthy, there's something wrong with you, and you don't have enough faith. Absolutely not true. You have people on the two extreme ends of this, both of them living in the camp of untruths. Do you know what money is? It's, it's amoral. You know what that means? That money isn't. Good or bad. Money is money. Money is, Dave Ramsey says money is just like a brick. You can take a brick and you can throw it through somebody's window and do damage. Or you can take a whole bunch of bricks and you can build a hospital that will, that will bring life into people's lives. It is amoral. But do you know what money does? It magnifies what you are. It amplifies what's in your heart. So if you're a bad person and you have a lot of money, you're going to do bad things with that money, maybe visibly, maybe not. If, if you're a follower of Christ and God is at work in your heart and, in your, and he's transforming your lives and he pours money into your life, he pours it into your life for a reason, because he wants to amplify what you are. That's my detour. Let's go back to this passage of Scripture But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things that come in and, listen to this, come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. I don't know about you, but that has been my story. And for many of you, this has been yours. There have been periods of time in my life, that's been my story. We come in on Sunday and we hear God's word, and we're challenged by His word, and we're moved, and we're inspired, and we're stirred. And then at some, and then we find ourselves out in life, and, and maybe we're dealing with a broken down car, or, or your kids do something that, oh my gosh, how what were they thinking? or someone gets sick, or, or someone's in need, or, or there are bills that we have to, and we get distracted, and, and we move, and, and we slip in, and, the, and we choke out the word. At Camelback, listen, that's, that's just not who we are. But here's what I know. If we are not intentional, we could slip into that and find ourselves in a place that we are spiritually indifferent. See, in our culture, there are, there are many who, who, who love to grab onto that, that phrase. I'm a Christian. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I have my ticket to heaven. I, I've got this eternity thing in a place that, that, that I feel pretty good about. Or, or maybe I was baptized as a kid. And so I was baptized as a kid, and I really, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be okay. Or I go to church every now and then, or I have some sense of comfort, and the distance and the indifference. In light of what Jesus is saying, really, if 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 we're to examine it, it would it would break his heart. It it would tear his heart. How does indifference set in? Let's look at, you have six things right there in your notes, and we'll look, really the first five are are ones that we want to look at, and and if a couple of those are an issue for you, you will find yourself in in, in the sixth position. The first one is, we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. (coughs) Now, I'm, Fairly intentional about getting my hair cut on a regular basis. Sometimes I let it go a little too long. I'm fairly intentional about looking decent up here with my clothes and being kind of dressed what I think is appropriate all the time. I did a wedding yesterday in Sedona, and I had a, a, a nice suit. I was killed, man. I was killer. I looked so good. And I was doing this wedding out on this on this deal, and and. was uh, Behind me were all the mountains of so you could not have asked for a better picture. The mountains were good too, but you know it was it was it was it, you it, it was it was just great. And and you know dress looking good is a good dressing. It, it's a good thing. It's not not a bad thing. But we can become so obsessed with people that we actually forget what God thinks. And see that this is this is one of the things that would cause us to drift second thing is we're so obsessed with life on earth rather than life in eternity. I think from time to time we need to be reminded, and we are so often reminded when we have a funeral, especially when someone dear to us goes home to be with the Lord. We're reminded of this reality. You and I are followers of Christ. He's brought us into his family. And we are on this journey. Look, this is just a simple little trial run. This is just to get us used to doing things. This is a 60, 70, maybe 80, or maybe 90-year-old window of time. That's all it is. Many of us here, we're past the halfway mark. We're counting the days down, and we don't even know how many there are. Many of us have lost loved ones. From this life, my Bible tells me when you're a follower of Christ, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And the promise along that is we will spend eternity with our loved ones and with Christ and with those who have gone on before us. And yet we can become so obsessed with this life that we forget about eternity. Third one is we rationalize sin. And we live without really fearing God. And that word fearing kind of, it kind of has a negative connotation to us without, without really fully understanding who, without recognizing, without reverencing who God is. And in our culture, you know what we do? We do everything we can to make ourselves more comfortable with sin. We actually rename some of it so it's easier to take. We don't say committing adultery. We say having an affair. That sounds better. We don't say pornography. We say adult entertainment. We give it a better name. Fourth thing is we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. I want to talk about that one for a minute. I should talk about all of them for a minute, but we just don't have that much time. We rarely share our faith. We believe in him, and frankly, we live in the benefit of knowing that we already have him, and so we don't really focus too much on inviting anyone else because that's a We think that's a difficult thing to do. But I want to tell you this morning, I think it is so much easier than than we believe that it is. Jesus never asked us to learn everything about our faith before we talk about it. Jesus never asked us to even go to school to learn anything. Jesus never asked us to even learn One passage of Scripture before we talk about our faith. Do you know what he said to the disciples as he chose them one by one? He said, follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. Just follow me. And his disciples began to follow him. And you know what they did? They turned to their brothers and sisters and their friends, and they said, come and see. That's all they said. Come and see. I think sharing your faith, listen, in in the environment that we at Camelback live in, I think sharing your faith is as easy as saying, I've started going to church, and I like it. Simple, done. No more complicated than that. Jesus never asked us to be attorneys. He never asked us to be salespersons. He asked us to be his witnesses, you're standing on the corner or you're sitting, you're sitting in your car at a red light and the light turns green and the guy in front of you goes and then somebody comes right through the red light and hits the guy in front of you. And the police show up. Did anybody see this? I know most of you would shut up and say, I didn't see anything. Ah, I think more of us would be willing to say, yeah, I saw it. Here's what happened. That makes you a witness. It doesn't make you a lawyer or a salesperson. It makes you a witness. You just say what happened. I've started going to church and I'm liking it. You don't have to do the heavy lifting. We got a band and a praise team that'll do the heavy lifting. I'll do some of the heavy lifting. Most of the heavy lifting is going to be done by our dream team as they serve on this campus to all age groups and to every area. Nobody's got to do heavy lifting because we're all a part of this body that God is using. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. The fifth one is We only turn to God when we need him, and so many of us are guilty of that at different times in our life. Somebody gets sick, oh, it's time to really ask God, or I'm really in a financial disaster. God, I need your help. And he wants us to come to him, but what he doesn't want is for us to walk away after the problem is solved. And maybe you come to the place where you find yourself in one or two of these, well, that will automatically take you to the sixth one, is where we're not much different than The world, we ultimately see that and we begin to live the same way, the world. And in areas of our lives and spending our money and raising our kids and entertainment without even knowing it, we wake up and we realize that we are spiritually indifferent. And I'm talking about this because that's where I don't want us to end up. That's where I want us to be careful. Not, we can be intentional and not end up there. So what do you want, chicken or steak? Eh, I'll take the steak. I don't care if I'm on a diet, I'll take the steak. You want to go to the gym or do you want to sleep? I know we want to sleep, but we know we should go to the gym. And at this point in the message, what? What I ought to be doing is just giving you the normal advice that that I should give you. I should step back and look at some of the things that I know would be good. Like we, maybe it's time for you to start spending some daily time in prayer or, or daily time in God's word or, or begin to share your faith or, or really dig in with a life group and fellowship. And you need to do, we need to do all of those. And we ought to already be doing all those. But when you and I find ourselves at a place where we're spiritually indifferent, do you know what we need? We need a spark. We need a spark to ignite a flame that's going to move us forward. And so my advice is real simple. It's one simple little thing. Every single day, this week, if you find, if, if, if any of these five or six, are, you're feeling them in your life, I would encourage you every single day, do something that requires Simply do something that requires faith, something that you have not been able to do on your own, something that it will take God and you to do, something that only God can do in your life. Let God, I would encourage you, let God lead you in this. Some of you may already know what what that is, but something every single day. It could be a little thing. Let's do something all week long. And If you haven't filled out that card with your with your name and your email address and your cell phone, so we can text you and email you, there's some things that I just want to I want to challenge our church family with this week. Do it with the card, leave it right there on the chair. But let's not let's not walk out of here today and let our lives be like Groundhog Day, where we get up every morning and we do the same. Thing And nothing new happens, but let's let our lives begin to move along in the path that Jesus said, listen, you're my followers. And when you're my followers, you're noticing that something is going on in your life. And God's at work in your life. And you and I are in the process of God working in our lives. God loves and he longs to help us through the process of becoming more like Jesus. He took us, listen, he took us where we were. We accepted him as our Savior. We became his children, his followers, and he loves to be involved. He wants in every way to be involved in this process of making us more like him. And that takes little steps of faith all along the way. Every single day this week, Do something that requires faith. God has a good, pleasing, and perfect plan for your life, without question. There are two more scripture verses in in your notes. Save them. Dig into them in your life groups. I've got a passage of scripture up here that I want to look at with you from Romans, and we're going to close with this, and our team's going to lead us in another song. Look, look what he look what Paul writes to the Roman church and, and to you and I. And this is in the message translation or paraphrase. So here's what I want you to do: God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around and some of us spend a lot of time walking around, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Is he talking to us? Is this plain and simple enough, right? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I think I've been talking about this this morning. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from inside out. Paul's kicking it here, man. Let me tell you. Really recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Dude, that's not us, okay? God brings the best out of you. And look what he does. He develops well-formed maturity in you. You want better than that? I got nothing. Let's sing together.